Hey everybody, this is Lauren Akins and welcome back to the Live and Love Podcast. I'm getting to sit down each week with friends and family this season to talk about different areas of our lives where we get to live in love. And we're also going to get to share some new things with you, things you may not have known, even if you've read my book, Live in Love. And I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm really glad to be back this season with Lauren and with y'all. This is such a special show. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that today. And if you get a chance, rate and review the show. Share it with your friends. Today's episode is so special, Lauren. We get to talk about living in love in relationship with your mom and dad, who are like two of the most popular guests from last year. Your dad was on episode one called Live in Love and Family. Your mom was on episode two, Live in Love and Adoption. And now we get them together. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. I love my parents so much and I think that y'all love this episode too. So we're going to get to sit down with my parents, Lisa and Steve, and we're going to talk about what it looks like for them and for me and my relationships to live in love and relationship. Hey y'all. So before we start the show, let's talk about today's sponsor of the podcast, Crew. It goes without saying that the Bible has changed so many of all of our lives. And so much of what living in love looks like for me and my family is a reflection of what we've all learned from the Bible. But imagine, just for a second, that you couldn't get a Bible. You couldn't hop on Amazon to order one, or you couldn't buy one at your local bookstore, or imagine you couldn't even afford one. Well, take it a step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. Honestly, I think it's so easy to forget that so many people all over the world simply can't just get a Bible. That's why we're so thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. And here is where they need your help. So for only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. All you have to do is text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine how much this gift could really change someone's life. So text LIVE to 71326. That's L-I-V-E to 71326 to help now. Or you can visit give.crew.org slash live. Well, for starters, Lauren, happy birthday. Thank you. Yesterday you turned 33, right? 30. Are you turning 32? No, how old? (laughs) No one knows at this table? Hold on, hold on. 32, I turned 32. 32. Did I? Yes. What is this year? It's 32. It's 32. <laughs> okay, so you're 32. I'm 32. You're turning 32. Okay. 32. I'm confident in that answer. <laughs> <laughs> and she's y'all's oldest. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So you've been a parent 32 years today. Yeah, that's so weird. Steve, do you have comments? <laughs> do you feel like you've been a parent it's 32 relative. years? It's relative to him. You probably do feel like you've been a parent for 32 years, especially... I don't. Take it, helping me take care of my three that are currently walking the earth. <laughs> They're so sweet. You know how they say it's gone in the blink of an eye. It's gone. It's like 32 and it feels like 14 hmm. to yeah. me. Steve? Feels like 32 to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. We had you early. For me, it was early. I was like 22. That's early. That's early. Got married at 20, had you at 22, as I walked across the Lipscomb graduation stage. Uh-uh. Yes. Full on pregnant. Yes. Four months. I was four months pregnant. Wow. Then became a mom shortly after that and had the perfect child. <gasps> <laughs> Lauren, congratulations. And then we got married two months later. <laughs> Trying to make me feel good. Um, she was just she was so easy mm-hmm. like so easy so happy birthday thank you i like to think linen linen has been my easy one. Oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm like maybe she'll have my very chill laid back very laid back not a lot bothers me hmm. where'd that Attitude. come from which of them is that in you from or both Lisa, probably. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think 
they're both really comfortable in their own skin. And so I think I got that from both of them. And that helps me to not get upset easily, I think, because I'm like, well, this is just how I feel. This is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing. And I'm confident in that. But mom is definitely the more like, I think we said this last season, but dad's always like, what's it like, Lisa, with (laughs) butterflies and rainbows just going through your mind at all times? Like the world is just (laughs) such a easy place for you. But she really does have that mentality, I think. And I definitely pull from that. But I do also think that I also pull from dad's very realistic and down to earth and like a little more critically thinking of a mind. I think I'm a good, I'm a good blend. I see both of them in my life and in my marriage and in my parenting and in my friendships. And now like even, I guess you would call this my professional life, but like (laughs) in the life that I'm doing now outside of my personal life, I see both of them for sure. I agree. Lauren has said this a couple of times. I would love for both of y'all to answer this. Has talked about how important it is. She hasn't said this directly, but what I keep hearing is how the people that are most up close to her are comfortable in their own skin. Do y'all feel like that's true about each of you? And what does that mean to you to be comfortable in your own skin? Well, it means being truthful to yourself. Mm. Just don't hide anything. There's so many people I know that try to hide mistakes, hide their past, you don't have to embrace it, but you need to at least recognize it. Mm-hmm. And if you're just truthful yourself with yourself and stare your mistakes in the face and, and own them, to me, that's being comfortable in your skin. When you're not comfortable in your skin, at least what I see from others is when they have deep, uh, I'm not sure I can think of the right term, but they've got mistakes in the past. They've had mistakes in the past that they're ashamed of maybe nobody knows about or they're battling some sort of demon in their mind and they don't talk to anybody about it and that just uh, was like a ticking time bomb and Mm. and i just don't see how you can be comfortable in your skin if you're not being truthful to yourself much less the people around you that you that, that could help you that could care for you and that love you for instance so that's what i think it is my turn. Yeah. For me, I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm comfortable in my own skin more so like when I'm with my family, like this kind of, you know, talking in front of an audience type thing. I can get uncomfortable, but I'm more of a shy person, I guess. But I just I do think it's better to be like an open book, because if you're if you are an open book, comfortable in your own skin, then I just think life is easier. Mm-hmm. It just flows easier because you don't have to, I mean, not that you're going to tell every single thing to everybody that you run across, um, at least with your family, you be open and honest and um, it's just life is easier. Lauren, I think those answers are so interesting. Do you value people who are comfortable with themselves because your parents are? Probably, probably because I think that's obviously the environment I was raised in. So I think I recognize that. And other people quickly mm-hmm. because I'm I'm so familiar with that environment. I definitely think that's what draws me to people mm-hmm. is where I feel like, oh, they're going to be exactly who they are. And just because you're comfortable in your own skin doesn't mean that you're a jerk and like right. force your opinions on other people or say things like inappropriately just because it enters your brain. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just them like they were saying just being honest about who you are and not being ashamed of who you are but then also in being comfortable with your own skin i think you're able to develop relationships real relationships better Mm. because i think that there aren't as many walls to have to break down to get to this true spirit of a person and the true heart of a person and so i think that connection is just so much quicker when you've got two people who are like, hey, this is who I am. Cool. And this is who you are. Great. Should we be friends? Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have friends who are very different from me. You know, Lindsay, even I think we do have a lot of similarities, but we're also very different mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's one thing that drew me to her so much is because she now she's definitely so comfortable in her own skin. I mean, she's yeah. exactly who she's going to be. And To me, it says like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going. This is what I need. This is what I don't need. And it's just 
so much easier to be a friend or to be in a relationship with that person when you know those boundaries or you know those expectations or you know the needs and the wants because then it just cuts out all the in-between right um and it's just more real yeah for our friends listening Lindsay is on episode four about friendship so they can go back yeah and hear that whole conversation one of the things that y'all are maneuvering now is all your children are adults mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. talk to me about how the relationship has shifted with your kids now that they're adults <laughs> well it's fun i mean we've raised them and you know you you protect them and guide them and teach them everything you know and everything you wished that you had done mm-hmm. differently um or better and then then they're grown and then it's like wow, this is really fun. Yeah. Like you get to do life together. You you keep going. I just, I don't know. They're, they're, you know, they are our kids, but I love to get to go do trips with them. And just, we have so much fun and everybody gets along and. Does everybody always get along? No. That's a okay. big fat no. The, it seems like it. The internet seems like, like y'all always get along. No. Oh. It's the butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> See? Here it is again. Here it is in true fashion. We do not, I mean, we're not an, an I mean, but argumentative like. family. Yeah. Yeah, we are. But they're definitely, right. well, they're, Steve is. Well, he's always debating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. but as far as like fighting and arguing, no, that is not yeah, like a consistent part yeah. of our family. No. But we definitely have those moments where there are disagreements, even with yeah. Tim and Paige and Rhett and Sonia and Macy and Tyler, Casey Connor. Tyler or Grayson. Grayson. Just keep going. Keep going. But I mean, like, we've all had those moments where we're like, okay, we should probably, the, here's where I stand on this. I know this is where you stand. Can we hash this out? I feel like the people who butt heads the most in our family as an 18 person family, family is probably Paige and my dad. Oh, really? Yes, yes, yes. Why, Steve? What are y'all butt heads about? Or just like, everybody just met Paige a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So tell us more. Oh, let, let, let me let me say it it. a little bit more. Like by butting heads, I mean like she's always the one who will call him out. She's always yeah. the one that'll be like, Steve, come on, and he'll and he'll you know push back and be like, No, you know that's not what I meant. And she's like, Well, that's what it sounded like. Like that kind of butt heads. But sorry, yeah, Dad, you she's can, right. Yeah, and and Paige is typically right every time, but I, 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 I argue about it at first. I'm, I get defensive, and then I realize, you know, she's right, and I'm wrong. Just admit it. Mm. Um, so yeah, and um, going back to Lisa, you know, us being empty nesters, you know, her going through menopause and so fun. Oh, man. <laughs> she's, she used to be real happy-go-lucky, but she's kind of turned into a mini Steve Gregory, you know, that, that thinks critically on everything now. But And part of that, I think, is um, the fact that the kids are gone and, and it's quiet. And um, I, th- I think that, you know, there's some withdrawals there from, from that, um, maybe a little bit of depression from it. I have felt that way, like, just a little bit, which yeah. is really strange for me. So I've yeah. spent... Uh, I tried to spend a lot more time, in it, and then uh, worse for me, I'm busier than I've ever been in my life in mm-hmm. business, and and uh, so I really have to focus on her mentally think about it so that she doesn't get left behind, so to speak. It's real quiet in the house. Now, w- when we have the grandkids spend the night, things like that, that it, it seems like old times, you know, but it's been a challenge, although she's goes with Lauren and Tom a lot, you know, when they go on vacation. Sometimes I go and sometimes I don't, but that's that's helpful. Um, so she has fun taking care of the grandkids. Mm. I think that's an interesting part of marriage, so I've heard, is <laughs> that, I mean, y'all are in a brand new season, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And, yeah. and you're having to relearn some things or newly learn some things about how to be married now that were different than 10 years ago. Yes, absolutely. And I can't say any more than, you know, well, one thing we did was Lauren had us, uh, gave us a, a gift to own site. Oh, yeah. And um, that was, everybody was, even Paige was like, oh, he's going to hate it, you know. And But I just looked at it as another big adventure. Um, did y'all go together? Did y'all do mm-hmm. couples? Oh, yeah. uh-huh. oh, Intensive wow. couples therapy. Yeah. How long ago? 
four. Oh, I don't know. What, a few weeks, weeks ago, it's four days. It's recent. Four full yeah. days. But um, it to me, it reminded me of um, caving in the past when I used to do a lot of caving. Mm-hmm. Except this adventure was caving in your brain. You know, mm-hmm. all the little recesses in your mind um, was so exciting to uh, learn about, good and bad. You yeah. know, uh, so many things that I really hadn't thought about. There was nothing that just magically popped up that I'd never thought about. But it kind of helped dredge up things around the corner, some dark, mm-hmm. dark corner of my brain that, hey, you need to look at that, you know. And so that was hugely helpful. And and we've taken those lessons forward and we're kind of uh, self-study, so to speak. And we work together and spend time, little workbooks and things like that every week, uh, just to enhance our marriage, especially because you don't have kids 24 seven mm-hmm. that occupy your time. So yeah. that's been a big help. So thank you, Lauren, for doing that. That was, that, I learned a lot. I'm so happy that y'all used it. Yeah. Oh my word. Me and Thomas Drake gifted that to three couples in our family. Mm-hmm three Christmases ago. Mm-hmm. We just now used it. So it's been a, a gift that was given a long time ago, but just now used. Yeah. Actually, it was probably better now than it would have been three years ago. Uh, yeah. Because you know, we still had Grayson and, you know, now it's completely quiet. So it really is, has been impactful for me, for sure. Yeah. Lisa, talk about why to do marriage counseling in your third decade. Some of us listening, me included, would think, well, don't y'all have it figured out in your third decade? But I'm so inspired that y'all are like still learning that actively. Well, and you do. It is it is learning. And I don't know. I, I think we were so busy. Like I said, I got married to Steve at 20 and then had Lauren at 22 and just, you know, had the kids and so busy with that. And then when Grayson left home, I don't know, it was, it was really quiet and we still had fun. But I remember thinking, because I did get married so early, I was like, we didn't get to do a lot, like, Mm -hmm. you know, go on trips and all that kind of, just the two of us, because I was, you know, in school and then he was working. And so we did tons of trips with our family. Mm -hmm. But then when the last one was out of the house, it was, it was quiet. And I ended up embracing it because I thought, wait, I mean, I do. Like, I remember we had so much fun together and we love to do outdoor stuff together. And and that's what, you know, I mean, the initial attraction, but that's what like drew us together. And I, our energy, our energy is the same on having fun. And, and like he, our first date was aerobatic airplanes. <laughs> and I loved that. And so like, I like, um, I thought, well, we can do all this stuff that we didn't get to do, like maybe repelling or rock climbing or all that kind of thing. And then they get gifted us this on-site thing. And, and we went and we got all these tools. And like like Steve said, we're doing this workbook that's, that's fun. Like I look forward to it. Mm-hmm. And it's even these little cards with different questions that you, you go, go through. You get to pick your card, the question that you want to talk about. And it's, it just brings you together. It makes you learn more. It makes you learn things about your spouse that you didn't even know. And you've been married for 34 years. So it's fun. It's fun. uh, You know, as a professional pilot, uh, I'm one of the lower time pilots with about 6,000 hours. But a lot of these guys I fly with have over 20,000. And one of the things we learn, we debrief, brief and debrief after every check ride every six months. And we're always learning. It doesn't doesn't matter how old you are and how many hours you have. You always find out you you can do something better uh, mm-hmm. and you can learn something new and be a safer pilot. And my old instructor uh, years ago in the 70s, he was an air retired colonel in the Air Force, flew in World War II, and he told me. You learn something new every day, even if you learn you did not learn anything. <laughs> I thought, you know, that's a really good point. And the other thing he always said, I tell Lisa, one time I was on time at the flight service station for a early flight, checking the weather. And I said, I'm at 5 a.m. And I said, I'm on time. And he was yelling at me. He said, there's no such thing as on time. You're either early or you're late. And I thought, you know, that's true because time just keeps moving. There's no such thing as on time. Right. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been married, that you can always learn something new about each other that will make your marriage better and bless people around you and be a better image uh, of of the God that made you. Mm. 
Lauren, what do you think hearing them talking about this? Well, I imagine where me and Thomas Strait are going to be when we're in empty nesters. I'm like, what does that feel like? <laughs> just imagining where y'all are in a quiet house. Just <laughs> a, a, I can't even fathom right now. It does make me excited for, you know, I think it's easy to feel like as your relationships are consistent and the same and you're committed to that one person, mm-hmm. you think there's a tendency for like the world to tell you that it gets boring and you need something new. Yes. But I think the opposite is true of the way God intended it. Like, I think if you are going to commit yourself to that person, then you commit yourself to the adventure of marriage. And that does mean growing together and trying new things. And I just, it makes me excited for the adventure ahead because the adventure we're in right now is beyond exhausting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing and we're happy, but we're tired and it makes me excited for the adventures ahead. And, and just, I think when that temptation comes in of you get into a, a rut or, or you, you lose like the spirit of adventure in your marriage, like reminding yourself that this is not the way it was intended. It wasn't intended to be boring. And they're always, they're always like dad said, they're always new things you can learn about each other, about your marriage and new avenues to explore. And that makes me really excited for, you know, the next, what would that be for us? (laughs) 20 ish years later, but it's inspiring. And I think a lot of marriages struggle with, well, what do we do now? Our kids are gone and I I don't even remember who we were before kids. And I don't, I'm not sure if I, if we're going to have as much fun together and I don't know if I like you and Mm. you know, the things that, you know, you hear a lot of marriages breaking up after the kids are out of the house. But I think what they have done is like really dig in. And I'm not saying that their marriage was like on the rocks by any means, but I just, I do think they were in a place where they were like, well, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And instead of, just letting that define their marriage and where they are, they were able to be like, hey, well, let's dig in and let's figure out why this doesn't feel good or why mm-hmm. you're struggling here. And we may not feel the same way as we did 30 something years ago, but let's find those pieces that are still there and use those and build off those blocks and find this new adventure in our marriage, even though it looks very different than the last 30 years, mm-hmm. it can still be an adventure. And I just think that's really cool. And I wish more people would pursue that because it's not easy. It's not easy to pursue that and stay committed. But I do admire their commitment to each other and to their marriage and to the vows that they made to each other before God, before their friends and family, and to not take that lightly. And that's something that I hope Thomas Rhett and I do well going through the next however many years of our marriage. We will get right back to the show, I promise. But first, I wanted to share more about our incredible sponsor of this podcast, Modern Fertility. So the traditional guidance with fertility has been just wait and see. But now we have tools to help us plan for and track everything in our lives. Wellness, finances, careers, school. Why is fertility still a wait and see? Knowledge is power, and when you know more, you can make better decisions for your body, your health, and your future. There aren't many decisions bigger than having a baby, but for many women, their fertility is a big question mark. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label, and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets the information you need at $159, a fraction of the price. And just by being a listener of our show, you can get $20 off your test when you go to modernfertility.com slash liveinlove. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you're planning to start a family, or maybe even just one day in the future... 
Clinically sound info about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash live in love. That means your test will only cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even a thousand plus dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. Get your $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash live in love. That's modernfertility.com slash live in love. As a non-married person at the table, do you really think about your vows? Is that something that like you think about actively during your marriage? Yeah, I do. I got, I've got my, I got my, uh, the anniversary of my wedding in my ring uh-huh. and I look at it often and remind myself of Lisa did that. Cause she knows I can't remember dates very well. <laughs> and, uh, so I do for sure. Uh, yeah. I think it's important. And, and Lauren was talking about being bored, you know, times being boring. In my opinion, you should embrace the boredom. That's when you learn to meditate, uh, learn to think about God, learn to read read the Bible uh, and mm-hmm. think about it and how it may apply to you. All the senses you have, sight, sound, touch, smell, and all in nature. You know, uh, I've learned just to, I don't run anymore because I've got so many fake joints, but I'll walk and I won't listen to anything on the radio or, or listen to recordings. I just listen to nature as I walk. Mm-hmm. So there is advantage there uh, to learn to uh, embrace the boredom because you can actually draw closer to God and get rid of all the noise in your mind and in, in society today with all the social media um, and I think that's a magical way to uh, get closer to God and then speaking of magic you know Lauren giving us the uh, gift of uh, on-site there's a company on the business side in our business in aviation that we use that uh, is like a coach, you know, like a business coach, and they're called Petra. I think they're down in Franklin, and there there's a book called Scaling Up that's mm-hmm. about how to build a business. And one of the things they taught me that's been really good that I've kind of connected all the dots when we went to on-site was you get comfortable in your own skin, so to speak, or get comfortable in this one little area in your marriage, and then there's a big change. All the kids are gone. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're always saying you need to get outside your comfort zone and get into an area that's uh, a little bit more uncomfortable. So get outside your comf- comfort zone, and that's where you experience the magic, they call it. And it's true. You know, us going through the – even now, since we got back from on-site, um, you know, we'll talk about things that are uncomfortable for each of us uh, that I know Lisa's right and I need to address it. For instance, something that, you know, one of my faults – but just to sit there and and listen to her talk about it and and accept it and go all right I can do better on that you know mm-hmm. so it's that's been really good because it it has created a lot more magic in the marriage in that regard yeah to get outside your comfort zone yeah Lisa will you talk about how you're I would imagine the people I've been in relationship with for thirty plus years I'm still there's still new things about them all the time for our friends that are newly married. What's it like to still be getting to know new pieces of someone 30 years into the marriage? Um, Or are there new pieces? Well, I wouldn't say new pieces. There's pieces that that I know more about that we can like different things that we explored at at onsite, but that we understand him better. So I know how to approach a subject or something or how to help with not letting him, you know, get wound up really quick because he can he can get wound up real quick. And they just have given you tools to mm-hmm. to not let that happen. And so being married for 34 years and I remember thinking, wow, we do have fun together. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be awesome because, you know, it, it's I just loved being around him. Like he's he's still my favorite person. Yeah. And I always want to do stuff with I will go anywhere with him anytime just because I like to be with him. But there's different things that that we have learned um how to deal with better in our characteristics and just how we're mm. our makeup. But I just, you know, I just want to keep keep us healthy so that we can keep doing life good together and be there for our kids and grandkids, but still carve out a good section of time for he and I to get to do fun stuff. Yeah. 
do you feel like you are still learning new pieces of Thomas Rhett or is it more like that? Because y'all have been in relationships since you were for 20 yeah. years. Yeah. No, there are just pieces of him that I have a deeper understanding of. Like hmm. I can always know him a little bit better. I don't think there's anything that's like earth shattering, like, whoa, I didn't know that you were like this, but there are definitely pieces that I'm like, I didn't realize that meant that much to you, or I didn't realize that's a sensitive, as sensitive of a subject to you as it really is, for instance, but we're constantly learning each other. It may not be something totally new, but you can always get to know somebody better and better. I mean, you can always get to know yourself better and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, the same is true for marriage. And I think that's crucial to a successful relationship is mm-hmm. continuing to grow and move forward in that and not just being like, well, we figured out enough. We'll just stop there and quit working on it. Yeah. Stephen, Lisa, tell me what y'all know about God from now compared to when you were in Lauren and Thomas Rhett's spot of the kids are little running around. So in the last 25 years, what do you know about God that you didn't know when the kids were little? I know that for me, spending more time with God, that's the best thing mm-hmm. for me. And you don't, Lauren's really good about this. And I, I was not like this when they were growing up. Um, she gets up really early and just spends time in the word. I didn't do that. I did it, you know, later throughout the day, but now that's hugely important. I mean, God has always been there for me, like in miraculous ways. Um, just always been there. Mm-hmm. Steve's. I don't know hmm? how you how you feel about that. I have learned that I used to spend a lot of time analyzing, worrying over decisions to make sure the kids, you know, because Lisa's state was at, stayed at home and raised the three children, and I flew a lot at the time, and and also worked as a petroleum engineer. Or actually, at that point, I was an environmental engineer. It was usually about money, trying to make ends meet, and also save and make sure, you know, that, um, you know, we were saving towards retirement and all that. And I really worried so much about it. I'd pray a lot about it because I learned that, you know, uh, as I'd mentioned before, when I met, before I met Lisa, I learned how to pray really good. But um, I should have quit analyzing once I had a solution, keep going back over it and over it, looking for maybe some sort of little error that I needed to readdress because 30 years later, 35 years later, you know, uh, in my life, I realized when I look back that everything that I'd planned to do typically happened, but there were several times when it didn't. And I just, what did I do wrong? And I fretted about it. And if I had just let it go, because Lisa's taught me over and over again, she reminds me, you know, worry about the things you can control and let go of the ones you can't. Well, I couldn't do it. I just figured there's some way I could control it. And um, those times when it didn't go the way I thought it would, I look back now, you know, 30 years later, and they worked out actually better as opposed to what I thought should have happened. It, It was a much better solution. And I just should have just, I wasted so much time doing that. And so that was a big thing about me, you know, that I've learned about God is if you really stay focused on him, just focus on the things you can't control and let the rest of it put it in his lap mm-hmm. and be done with it. And um, and I still am learning that lesson, but that's the biggie for me over the last 30 years. Yeah. Lisa, why is that? easy for you the way he retells it it sounds like it's easy for you to let go of what you can't control well because i know i can't control it i just Mm. i'll quit something a lot easier than he will i don't know i think it's just my personality for one but i i also know that it's you know like when when people lose things in the house i'm like just look for it as much as you can and then when you've looked everywhere you can think to look and there's nowhere else let it go Mm. let it go it'll show up and it always does. Mm-hmm. And it, a friend of mine just lost her engagement ring in her house. Ooh, has she found it yet? Nope. So I'm going to call her today and say, well, "Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> pray about it. I pray. Mean, she can pray. She knows ring. it's in her house. Yes. Okay. Yes. She'll find it. 
Unless she has a dog or animal that ate it. That's what, but they've been checking all that too. So they've been trying. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I just, I, I think it's my personality, but also I know that when I've tried to force something to happen, which is not very often, but it just didn't work out well. And then I only get angry and frustrated. So I just let it go and pray about it. If I've tried, tried everything and then it typically works out really well. How much has prayer kept y'all together? Oh, Huge. Yeah. It, it, Big. it, in my opinion, is the everything. main reason that, that people that don't, you, you've got to read the Bible and that's he, how God talks to you. And you got to talk back to him and pray to him and talk to him and think about him. If you're not doing that, I, I don't, these people that are able to stay married, I'm not sure they're happy. I don't know. I'm sure there's some exceptions to the rule, but I think there's so many people who go through life and are never happy in their marriage, but they're missing the 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 big ingredient and that is God, you know, and and so I think it's huge. The prayer is is what keeps you together. It's your constant. Hmm. Yeah. For me, I pray about everything. Yeah. Yeah, she's good at that. But little bitty things too. Mm-hmm. I th- I think just being a you know, mechanical engineer, petroleum engineer, we do tend to overanalyze things, or I do, and where she can just drop something and just pray about it. I'm thinking, I can solve this, you know, <laughs> and that, that becomes a big uh, uh, hindrance to me. Lauren, how have you seen prayer keep you and TR together? We talked about this last season, too, but in in the seasons of our marriage where we weren't healthy and I didn't like him <laughs> and... Um, he did, um, and the reverse is probably true. He probably did not like me either. Staying in that commitment and like really leaning on the Lord in that and being like, Hey, marriage is not fun right now. And it's not something that I want to put my energy toward. In fact, I want to walk away from it. Mm. But knowing that knowing that the truth that that's not what the Lord has for us to walk away from each other and leaning into that and being like, I know what is true about you and that you say what we have committed to, we've committed to, and we are not to walk away from. So can you help us (laughs) come back together to where we are in a place where we're able to like to be around each other and to want to pursue each other? Um, Granted, there was a lot of outside factors that were playing into our marriage at that point, but it was a season that I wasn't talking about it to a lot of people, and we definitely weren't talking about it publicly, but in our hearts and in our home, we were like, we just have got to come back and bring this before the Lord and have Him heal this in us, Mm. and He did, and just having the faith that you know what He has for your marriage is good. And and trusting that, and even in the hard parts, when it doesn't feel good to be married or it doesn't feel good to be sitting next to that person or the hard conversations are really hard, just leaning into that faith of like, I know he's going to bring us through this. I don't know when he's going to bring us through and I don't know how it's going to happen, but he is God and he created our marriage. He created our love. He created each other. And I know that what he has for us is good. So just... Mm trusting in that even when you feel like there's not a whole lot to look forward to <laughs> in that moment yeah. when i think back over our marriage that was probably the most crucial time of prayer for our marriage and then he did bring us back around and i, I do think now we're probably pretty soon it will be 10 years next october and i think we're healthier than ever in our marriage and that's a really cool place to be, but it wasn't without going through some really dark valleys at some point in our marriage. Mm-hmm. But he brought us through. But that's that's where your marriage vows come back in. Is that's one of the things that I married some of these kids uh, in in past years. I remind them that turn around and look at all these people you're here with now, and you're promising in front of all your friends and family and God that you're going to stay together through thick or thin, and. You know, that's why it's so important to remember why you got married and what you committed to. And her talking about going through dark valleys, I think she's more like me and Tom is more like Lisa, mm-hmm. I think. I think Tom has more estrogen, you know, than, than a typical man does. 
<laughs> oh boy. I think it's great. He is um, very sensitive. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's fabulous. Yeah. I think a lot of men need to have more take maybe estrogen shots or something. And oh just boy. To, but I I've learned that as I've gotten older, you know, testosterone drops, estrogen rises, I'll cry at the drop of a hat at anything now. But um I think that's a wonderful trait in him, um, because he's so attentive to Lauren and um and where Lauren will bark and bite back at him, he's he just kind of she's kind of the hard hammer and he's a soft metal that she's mm. banging against, but he gives with her. And you couldn't have a better pair uh, in that regard. And even when he grew up, you know, over at our house, he was just such a conscientious kid that was always, you know, worried about someone else. And I, mm. I think it's, I think he's a, I think they're made for each other. It's a great trade in him. But mm-hmm. again, it was, that's why those two got married. Mm-hmm. Taking a quick break to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. If there are things going on in your life that are causing you to feel stuck or interfering with your health and happiness, know you're not alone. I found counseling to be super helpful in seasons like that, and so many of our friends have too. And BetterHelp is here for you. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get oil changes for our cars to prevent bigger issues down the road. We see the doctor and go to the gym to take care of our bodies to prevent injury and disease. And we do chores regularly to avoid a messy house. Well, going to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. And it's really important that you connect with and have a really great therapeutic match with your counselor. So BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change if you need to. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Live and Love listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash LiveInLove. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash live in love. For the people that are listening that are in a real valley in their marriage, will you give them some hope of why to hang on and how to get through? Thinking back through the valley that Thomas Rhett and I went through, like I remember having thoughts of like, and I, I believe this was the enemy I was letting the enemy speak into my life, but like the thoughts that I had were, we got married too fast. We've fallen out of love with each other. There's too much in the world for us to be happy that we have the world at our fingertips. There are other things we could pursue if we wanted to, that would make us happy now. And that's what the world tells us, right? Is like, you need to be happy now. You deserve happiness now. And if you're not happy, quit. Go find it. Yeah. Get out of it. If you know the Jesus I know, that's not what he preached. That's not what he says to us now. He promises that we're going to go through the valleys. He he promises us we're going to go through the valleys. And I think in that moment, you have to be so rooted in truth. And that means having the people around you speaking that truth into you, whether it's your parents that are modeling that well for you, or maybe your parents didn't model that well, but now they're saying, Hey, I messed this up. Pay attention. Like Mm -hmm. don't do the same thing I did or friends or whatever it may be. But, but making sure that you're listening to truth. If you're listening to that truth, have the courage to do what the truth is telling you to do. And I think what I would say to that person or those people is it's not going to be fun. In fact, it's going to be really hard. And there are going to be times where you're going to be like, I absolutely don't want to do this. This is the last thing I want to be doing right now. Mm. But coming through the other side of that valley and not listening to the lies of the world, I can say personally that there is no other person in the entire world that I would choose to be in that valley with me than Thomas Rhett, humanly. 
yeah. obviously. <laughs> right. I think if I could choose to have the Lord intervene on my behalf, <laughs> right, I would choose right, first. Right. But as a human, there is no other person that I trust more because I know he's seen me in my darkest moments and he still chooses to love me. He still chooses to respect me. He's still that safe place for me. And he loves me well enough to have the patience to let me figure out, you know, the things that I've done wrong or the things I can do better with Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But um, what we have now, and we're not even 10 years in, but what we have now is so rock solid because of the work that Jesus has done in our relationship. I feel like so much could come up against us and we're going to choose each other because we we've been through the valleys and we're like, Hey, even though that wasn't fun, look at what happened because we chose to stay committed and we chose to commit to prayer and have the people around us who are rooted in truth, speak into our marriage and encourage us and pray with us and for us and look where it brought us. I mean, I feel like we are on our way over the next however many years we're together of having one of those relationships in movies or that you see like people who have been married for 50 years that they're like these these people have been such a rock solid pair that the Lord has used. And I feel like the reason he's able to use people like that is because these people have stayed committed to each other and to him. And and he has used that for his glory and to encourage other people and to love other people well. And I think I would like to say it, it will get better, but, but you've got to stay committed to each other and most importantly to the Lord. That was a very long winded answer. It's a great answer. Sorry. No, it's great. Lisa, well, what I, do you think? I a hundred percent agree with everything that she said, and I can't add a lot to that, but think back, like think back, like when you first started dating, like what drew you to that person? And, mm-hmm. and, and the fun that you had and um, what was the spark? What was what made you want to keep being around them and that type of thing? Because if you can think back then and think how you felt and where you were and um, a lot of times it will help, you know, like rekindle how you really felt when you first met this person and why you even were interested in them in the first place. Um, God is the number one point in the commitment, everything that she said on the commitment. And and it is a choice. You choose. You do choose every day or um, it's, it's every day. You, you choose how you want to be and, and how you want to love. And I just, I think that the better connected you are with God and you're more grounded in Him and listening to Him and knowing the truth and, and, and your promise. You promised you promised something. You promised. And if, if there's, I know even for people that, I know a couple in particular that really just did not want to do anything to fix their marriage at all, but they both had committed and, and it, God was, God was the key. Mm. So for me and for Steve and Lauren and all of our kids, God's got to be the center point in the commitment. And it is a promise. For me, again, it's, Read the Bible, pray. The first thing you got to do is fix yourself in a marriage. And by fixing yourself, uh, you go a long ways towards that in prayer because it forces you to look at yourself in a critical fashion. Uh, read the Bible. You see example of people that did things wrong and did them right. And you can see parallels in your life. And don't be afraid to go ask for help. As a man, that's one of the things or stubborn individual I am in that regard, you know, not asking for help a lot of times, but you shouldn't be afraid of doing that. So you got to fix yourself. You know, again, I think I've mentioned before, if if I could sum the whole 66 books of the Bible up into one word, it'd be love, L-O-V-E. And one of the big tenets of it is that you should treat others like you want them to treat you. Well, your wife's first husband is right there next to you. You should be treating them like you want to be treated. So you can't have contempt for them. You can't um, be belligerent when you blow a fuse. You've got to build them up because they've got the same faults that you do more than likely. And if you can forgive yourself of those faults, you need to be able to forgive them. So that's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, Finally, Lauren mentioned valley. Well, the definition of valley is there's a low spot in between two high ridges. Mm -hmm. Well, just keep walking. 
And don't give up, because if you keep walking, take one step in front of the other, you'll eventually eventually climb up the other side of that, that ridge, out of that valley, into the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So don't quit. Don't give up, because it will get better. Mm-hmm. So how do you live every day? What does it look like for you in your relationship with mom to live that love out every day? Well... It helps for me to walk into my office because one of our uh, uh, core values is the candle of love. And, you know, that came from Tim Bess, my good friend that I talked about earlier. Um, Sometimes he called it, if he was in a feisty mood, he called it the love candle. But, uh, (laughs) But the candle of love means that I'm going to treat everybody like i want them to treat me that that to me is the overarching value of all the other core values we have and because of that uh, i'm always reminded when i get an argument with lisa or with bob percy or berta weston the guys i work with or bob vomuth or Or Chris or page (laughs) um um, i always remember an end and i'll always really focus on when we get done with our disagreements that I'll give them a hug and tell them I love them. Hmm. Now, Lisa, it's harder for me to do it with her. It's kind of interesting just because I I don't know. uh, I'm still trying to figure out why sometimes I resist, but I kind of stonewall, which is a bad thing in a marriage. Don't do that either. (laughs) Um, That's a a certain uh, way to head towards divorce. But in the end, when you end an argument or a disagreement with I love you, it just makes things so much better. It's just, it's so easy to take your medicine when you hear that. And so, you know, Lisa hugging me and telling me she loves me really disarms me. And so I've learned a lot of that from her. But that's that's uh, that's how I live it every day. Mom, I love to love. I love people. I love. I'm glad you say that about yourself. That is really true. It feels like you love to love. <laughs> I, I can't help she it. Does. Yeah. I can't help it. It's so crazy because I got, I was looking back over on Instagram messages the other, well, last night, and a friend of mine, and I don't even remember this, but her name's Helen. Well, it was Helen Hanks. Um, now it's Helen Nicholson. But she wrote me in Instagram because we were, we were just kind of chatting back and forth. And she said, I just want you to know that when I left home for college and went to ACU, Abilene Christian, she said, my mom couldn't go with me. And so my dad took me and she said, he just kind of, you know, took me in, dropped me off. And, you know, cause dads just don't always know. Mm-hmm. And so she said, I was doing everything by myself. And she, she said, I didn't have like the cute, the cute stuff. And she said, I thought I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go walk down the hall. And she didn't know anybody. So she's walking down the hall in our dorm and she said, I walked past your room and there was like the cute, you know, the bedspread and the the papers that you had lined your drawers with. And she said, she said, I kind of walked a little bit slow and you looked up and, and I stopped at your door. And she said, you immediately invited me in, didn't know who I was, started talking to me, introduced me to all of your friends and connected me with all of these people that I am still best friends with to this day. And so... I had forgotten that I my major social work, so I love uh, people and and connecting and helping. And so I think it's just that's just part of who I am. And I like everybody to get along. And but with Steve, you know, he and I, if if we're doing anything and and we're having a disagreement, and I do just hug him. I just walk up and hug him, and and it stops. It stops everything. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's magic. Yeah. It just, he just, everything's fine after that. Not, not that that's going to be the cure-all for everyone, but it really does disarm him. And I think you could use that in a lot of different things in your life with, with others. And, but I just, I love people and um, I love, I love to help people and I, I love to love. Mm-hmm. This episode has been such a gift. I think it's going to help so many people. Lauren. How do you like live in love? Watching what they've modeled for you for 32 years. Happy birthday. And <laughs> and now 10 year, almost 10 years into your marriage with TR. How do you live in love in that relationship? For me recently, it has been almost like humbling myself with 
my husband and recognizing when I'm wrong and apologizing for that. Or even if it's something that I still feel strongly about, but realize that I've hurt him in, in whatever that conversation may be like recognizing where I may have hurt his heart in some of the things I said or the way that I handled the situation and apologizing for that and, and hoping that he has the grace for me to receive that and forgive me. And also I think in the season that I'm in where I'm so exhausted so much of the time and where I tend to like feel sorry for myself because he's on the road and I'm home with the kids a lot and pregnant and all the things that that I've got going on at home when he comes home so much of me just wants to like hand the kids over to him and be like I'm out for a little bit you come in and be dad but like choosing to recognize that he also has been working it just looks a little bit different and he's coming off of the road also exhausted and I feel like lately the Lord has really challenged me to like continue to serve him even through my exhaustion. And whereas he probably has gotten to sleep a whole lot more than I have, choosing to love him well in that and showing my love and appreciation for him and what he does for our family and for our marriage and in serving him even in that exhaustion and choosing to not be like, well, I'm really exhausted. Let me tell you all the things that I just did over the last three days. But instead being like, we're so happy you're home. Let me fix this food for you. Let me help you. You know, you go downstairs and work out. I've got the kids for another hour or, you know, the things that he loves to do and and me as a wife, the things that I'm able to do to love him well, even though all I want to do is for him to like, let me put my feet up and... But he does that too sometimes, right? He does that so often. But I think it's so easy for me to be like, you're right. I've been with the kids for three Mm. whole days, four whole days by myself. I'm tired. I'm growing another human right now. Like, let me put my feet up. You serve me a plate of food. And but I know that those acts of service speak volumes to him. And so that is a way that I think I'm able to love him well is Mm. even in those times where he would 1000% just be like, no, let me do this for you. Mm-hmm. Me choosing to not tell him how tired I actually am and just continue to serve him in that has been really cool. And I do feel like through that exhaustion, when I still serve him in that and listen where the Lord kind of gives me those nudges, it's almost like the exhaustion I did feel all of a sudden I have like a little bit of a renewed energy wow. and I think it's because that's, I mean, that's who Jesus says that he was, is that he, he came to serve, not to be served, but he came to serve. And we're supposed to model that, especially in our marriage. And I think Thomas Rhett does that so well for me. I mean, since we were in high school, he's always, he's always done things for me to make me feel loved and to show me how much he appreciates and cares for me. And now I think it being so much harder in my exhaustion right now, it speaks even more volumes that I make sure to do that for him. And it's been really cool to watch that transition and kind of like, you know, submit to that servanthood in a marriage and to swallow my pride and to not listen to what the world would say. No, you deserve this. You should take that. It's been a really cool thing to watch the Lord do in our relationship. It's beautiful. Steve, you got any other nuggets for us? You know, I love it. No. Okay. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Hey, y'all. Just a quick reminder not to forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. All you have to do is text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine how much this gift really could change someone's life. So text LIVE to 71326. That's L-I-V-E to 71326 to help now. Or you can visit give.crew.org slash live.
Thank y'all so much for listening. I have had so much fun in these conversations getting to share with you what it looks like for us to live in love. And just a reminder that you can pick up your copy of my book, Live in Love, if you haven't yet. And I really hope that you'll join us for our next episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we're going to get to talk about what it means to live in love in health. 